Welcome to Kindred Media, a nonprofit initiative of Kindred World. Kindred has gathered thought leaders, researchers, and activists exploring the new story of the human family for over 15 years. Visit our website for our new story features, interviews, podcasts, and video collections at www.kindredmedia.org. Welcome, Kindred family. Today, we're going to spend time with Isaguchardi, author of the book, The New Return to the Great Mother. In this Kindred interview, Dr. Gucciardi shares insights into the seven life initiations that can return us to ourselves, our power, joy, and our generative connection to the earth and her wisdom all through our bodies. Dr. Gucciardi has spent over 30 years studying spiritual, therapeutic, and meditative techniques from around the world. She has worked with master teachers in Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, and Sufism, as well as expert shamanic practitioners. She is the founding director of the Foundation of the Sacred Stream and the creator of Depth Hypnosis. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us. And I, I guess I'd like to start off talking about your book, The New Return to the Great Mother, and why do you think that there is a new return? Oh, because I think that people are waking up to understanding the power of the great feminine in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, women have been, as you, as you mentioned when we were speaking earlier, you know, have been engaged in a process of trying to reclaim the power of birth and the power of all things feminine for a long time. And I think that, you know, we have at this moment and this, when we're in the crisis that we're in, uh, it, especially in terms of the natural world, we do need to return once again to the power of the, of the great feminine, which is the power of the earth and to understand it better and to honor it better and to align ourselves with it better. So can you talk for a moment when you say the great mother, and you talk in your book about some of the encounters uh, the women that you have um, worked with through childbirth, uh, having actual encounters with the great mother. Uh, what, what are you pointing to? Well, I'm pointing to the, this nurturing, um, generous, um, receptive, embracing power that is at the heart of the experience of mothering. And um, you have in many, many traditional cultures and you know, historic cultures, you have the honoring of the great mother um, or the great feminine in ways that we simply do not have in this, in this particular culture. You have, of course, in, in Egypt, you had Isis, the great mother goddess. In, um, in throughout the Andes, you have Pachamama, uh, the, the great in, infuser of life. And um, in, in Greece and Rome, you have Athena, you have Hera, you have these goddesses that are directing and enlivening the experience of women as they themselves step into the qualities of the great feminine that are needed in order to bring forth life and to nurture life and to care for all beings and 
to create a society that is based on, on matriarchal priorities. So what happened? Where did all that go? Well, I have my theories. I mean, I can offer some. <laughs> I, I think that guys got jealous. <laughs> I think that, I think that uh, they saw this power, this power to give birth, this power to create new life. And they saw the way that women were aligned with the, the natural world in ways that they were not. And they knew that that was a powerful place. And so they decided to try to own it. And they, and so they, you have in, in so many, I mean, I have a degree in cultural anthropology and, you know, again and again and again, you have cultures that are creating all kinds of structures that are designed to take whatever transitory or initiatory moment that a woman has and create a ceremony to capture it and dedicate it to the males, <laughs> right? I mean, you have, uh, even today in our culture, you have the marriage ceremony where you have a male bringing a female to another male and, and answering the question, who gives this woman to this man, right? So you have this transfer of feminine power between two males. There's no moment where she owns her own power, right? And there's this, and this is, this is repeated again and again and again and again in much less elegant terms in a lot of different cultures. And you have cultures where they're literally ripping out the clitorises of the women so that they cannot access the, the power of their orgasm or the power of the, uh, and enjoy the power of their creativity. And so that it is there only for the male's pleasure and it's there and the male owns it. Right. I mean, so I, you know, there's so many cultures where the, this is, this is the idea you take, you, you take the woman's power and when she doesn't have any more power as, uh, according to this model, which is the creative power to bring forth life as she enters into menopause, then you throw her away. And there are, there are languages where a woman in menopause is referred to as used up, mm. right? So, so you have, you, you just, you, you basically have a power grab. And I think that, um, women, you know, are in a disempowered place at that point. They, they have trouble getting their feet under them. They want to be part of a society. Uh, in all traditional societies, the biggest threat is the one of exile. And that's true even today. People live in situations where they should not live in because they are afraid of exile. They're afraid of being alone. And in traditional societies, of course, women, you know, could die in the desert if they were excluded from the from the tent yeah that's true and yes it's true today that women have a much less uh socio-political level of power and if they are excluded from the structures of social political power that are governed by the matriarch by the patriarchy they can they do they can struggle but if we were to you know understand that our power is the power of our creative force. That is the creative force of the earth. And if we were to understand that our biology is bringing us through initiation after initiation into that creative force, and if we were to agree 
to follow these initiations and to step into that power rather than be drawn into the priorities of males who want female bodies to look a particular way and women are buying into that or where women will turn against one another in order to have favor with males. You know, this, this kind of thing is the, is the way in which women remain disempowered. But if they stop trying to be in relationship to male power and they begin to return to their own power, their bodies will show them the way and, and the earth will show them the way. And in all of these traditional cultures where you have a, a respect for the great mother, she is showing the women the way to the altar of the great mother, to the altar of the great feminine. And they can, and they can align themselves with this power as they move through the different initiations of their life. And they can offer a, a, an alternative way of being in the world, which is not counter or anti-male or counter or anti-patriarchal. It's, it's embracing of all things in a, that are nurturing, that are caregiving, that are generous, that are consensus making. It's, it's an inclusion. It's an, the power of the great feminine is inclusive and includes males and includes, and, but, it, but it would break down the power structures that would allow some to have a lot and some to have none. In all matriarchal societies, you have the, 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 the economy based on gift giving and generosity. And you see this still today among the Haudenosaunee where you have the, the tradition of the Gantawisas, which are the grandmothers who at the end of any harvest cycle will gather together all of, all of, the, all of the benefits of the harvest and redistribute them for the people who didn't have a good harvest. And they will do, offer gifts to other, other groups that are, they're affiliated with to make sure that everyone has what they need. It's not a matter of grabbing. And that, that would include males, absolutely. It would include any, anyone who had, had some kind of problem, right? So that, there's my thought, long, long answer to your question. That was awesome. Uh, what, I, what I'd like to do is, is to spend a moment looking at what we're, where we are culturally right now, because uh, as you seem to be pointing to, it, uh, it seems like you're, you were saying women's bodies are a battleground for power. And right now in the United States, um, you know, we see the authoritarian rise again and some of these uh, really shocking uh, grabs um, at the Roe versus Wade uh, amendment, again, trying to uh, undermine women's authority and sovereignty over their bodies. And what I have, what I have read and seen, though, is that there's a backlash where younger women uh, are saying no, they're saying no to marriage, they're saying no to childbirth. Um, there's a movement of women now who are so frightened of having the sovereignty of their body taken from them, they're sterilizing themselves. This is happening in the US, um, especially in places like Texas where the right to abortion is being just taken away. So um, can you speak for just a moment because we're, I, I don't wanna spend too much time in the dark places that I, I want to talk about these initiations um, to power that are in your book. And it seems like the framing of what happened when you don't have the initiations for the individual 
on the collective? What what has happened here without them? Is that uh, something you can speak to? Sure. I mean, so let's go through the initiation. So we have the context. Okay. So we, you know, the so and and even the word initiation is a little bit foreign to modern people. And, um, you know, they think about a frat party, you know, hazing ritual, right? Um, and, it, it, you know, the idea of initiation is, um, it is a, actually, it is, you know, as you're becoming a frat brother, you are moving from one state to another, you're moving from being a non-member to a member, right? And so that's a transition of identity and being. And the initiations that a woman's body and men's bodies and transgender and beyond gender people's bodies would put them through as well are the, the, the uh, moments where they are moving from one way of being to another way of being. So at your birth, let's go through them and then I'll come through and explain them. So your own birth, the the moment of puberty for women the entrance into menstruation the first sexual encounter for women childbirth menopause and death so in each one of these moments there is a transition and in traditional and let's talk about the tradition let's talk about the transition and let's talk about how these initiations are approached in traditional societies and in our society, because I think that will answer your question about where are we, right? So, um, so as in, in terms of your own birth, you're moving from, uh, a, you're dependent in a water-based experience and you move into a new way of being as an air-breathing being who is independent. So, there's a moment of transition. And in all, in all uh, traditional societies and even in the Western society, you have some kind of ceremony that marks that. And, um, and then the same thing, there's another transition, major transition that happens when someone, uh, male or female or transgender or beyond gender um, or you know, any, any way that people are identifying themselves, they, they, they still move in from uh, being a child and unable to reproduce to being an adult and able to engage in adult experience. And um, so there's a transition there. And of course, puberty rituals are the main thing that anthropologists study, you know, when they study foreign, you know, traditional cultures, right? They're, these are major, and I'll come back in a minute and tell you why. Then you have women entering into menstruation specifically, um, and their relationship to their bodies over the course of their lifetime through their menstrual cycle. And because they are going through initiation after initiation every month, as they move from being, a, being filled with the capacity to procreate and then losing that capacity through the bleeding, right? And then you have the first, the first sexual encounter with the other where you are expanding your sense of self to include the, the needs and priorities of another person in a very intimate way. And that changes you uh, from being a completely independent person to being someone who is more interdependent, hopefully not codependent. <laughs> and then you have birth, which of course 
you know, anyone who has given birth, they know they are never the same afterwards. And, um, and again, you have in all societies, you have some kind of a, an initiation or a ceremony, an initiatory ceremony that is given or provided to contain the power of the birth. And then in menopause, you have, and then males go through menopause too, even, I mean, all the sales of Viagra will tell you that they have gone through menopause too. And um, they, they, the, the ability to procreate recedes. And, um, and so that great creative power is no longer being distributed, but it's being held within. And that's very important as we move into the last great initiation, which is death where you must have your creative forces marshaled within you in order to pass through that last initiation where you lose physical form and move into another way of being, right? So here you have, through the initiations, you basically have information about the progression of creative power that is held in one's biology and that directs one's spiritual evolution. And I can't like, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna repeat that six more times because we do have a teacher within us with, and all around us that is our body who is showing us what we need to focus on in order to remain empowered and showing us through the difficulties that we might have in those situations, the work that we need to do in order to reclaim that power for ourselves. Now, I'd like to just spend another moment talking about the initiatory process in a traditional society and in our society so that you can see where we are, why it's so broken for women, in particular, in terms of being able to hold power and why it was always broken for women in a patriarchal society um, as they're moving through these initiations. Because in most traditional societies, talking about matriarchal societies because there have been many matriarchal societies and there are there is wonderful uh, research that Heidi um, Abendroth Gertner has uh, has offered and she's got a book called matriarchal societies where there she gives example after example of of the possibilities of organizing things outside of a matriarch outside of a patriarchal hierarchical competitive way of being um, and, um, but most of the societies that we are aware of, including traditional indigenous societies, are, many of them are patriarchal in nature. And so you have at the time of birth, the child, there's a ceremony, and the child's, the power of the creative product of the child is dedicated to the father, the father's clan. And the mother has already in her puberty ritual or her marriage ritual been dedicated to the power of the male clan, right? And then you have at her, at her uh, as she goes into puberty and as she enters into menstruation, there's definitely a ceremony there to mark that she is now different. And now she is going to probably go live with another group of people who, who will become her husband's family and where she will have to be basically a slave to that family system as a low member of, of, the, of the ranking of the, of the file, uh, rank and file there, right? 
Then, of course, when she has, we mentioned the child, when the, when the mother gives birth, she is then, you know, recognized there. The, any, any ceremony that happens there is really done for the child, not so much for the mother, because the mother's already had her power dedicated to the structures of the society or the, the priorities of the patriarchy already, and now they're just doing it with the child. Then she goes through menopause. You know, one of the things that you see, even in patriarchal societies, is you see women having their own ceremonies and welcoming women into a society of those who have basically done their time <laughs> and um, can now focus on, on offering in some, in some uh, patriarchally, patriarchally organized societies, these women may have more power than any other women um, uh, it, who are not producing children um, because their wisdom is considered to be of value um, to the culture generally, but it's always considered to be of value among the women. And then you have death, of course, where um, there are a lot of rituals and, and uh, ceremonies that are provided for people as they're dying in traditional societies and many traditional societies. I'm using a very broad brush here because we're talking about you know, thousands of different types of cultural manifestations, but these are just general statements that I'm making. Now in this culture, you're born, there's no ceremony. There's like, there's a lot of power there. The, the child is, you know, traumatized and generally by medicalized birthing procedures that may not necessarily be necessary. It's traumatizing to be born anyway. <laughs> and nobody really understands that this is an initiatory moment that needs to be held and that, you know, in a particular way and where the mother needs to be cared for in a particular way so she can care for her child properly, right? And so then there's very little fanfare there. At puberty, most, most women experience puberty as not a ceremony where, where people are welcoming them into this new way of being. They, they, they just get their period and hope that they don't, do something stupid, right? So <laughs> you know, many like, young girls now because yeah. of hormones and everything are getting their periods younger and younger. Right. So right. it's not really even puberty we think of as in your teenager. It's right. Eight, so nine it's, year olds. Right. So it's all like a confusion. So nothing is held, right? And then you have, you know, with menstruation, nobody, you know, there is this new movement where women are talking about their periods and they are trying to be proactive. And I think that's really important, but for, you know, you know, women, you know, beyond this current generation, you know, you, you know, you didn't talk about your period, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you tried to forget that you have it, you try to overcome it or, or you're taken down by it and you don't understand why, you know, and there's no understanding about what's being brought up. No, no thought about investigating what are the emotions that you're going through and what are they showing about you in a larger sphere that you, and, and, and understanding this moment of your period is a moment to try to understand yourself more deeply in a more general way, right? There's nothing like that. And then the first sexual encounter is way too traumatizing for so many people these days. In my depth hypnosis practice, I spend so much time helping people repattern um, experiences uh, of improper sexual um, encounters in their first um, 
in their first experiences, and that affects all of their uh, all later sexual experience. And then you have childbirth, and um, again, you know, there's not, you know, there may be a birth way that 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 is there for a moment, or some kind of a baby shower that's there, but that's really just to. Uh, welcome the child, um, which is wonderful, but the mother doesn't, again, get what she needs often to be able to nurture the way that she needs to be, learn how to nurture to help another being. And of course, menopause, everybody's trying to pretend they're not in menopause and change it hormonally. And then in death, of course, nobody talks about death. So it's not a moment of, of you know where there are prayers and ceremonies that are done to help the person who's dying move into a new way of being in any kind of whole way. So you see, how do we get to this place of disempowerment? We have completely ignored all of the moments where power, the, where the power that is released at the time of these transitions is not even captured and dedicated to a social structure that doesn't belong to the initiate, which is what happens in traditional societies, it's not captured at all. And you just have a lot of people that are disempowered and kind of reeling around, trying to get, get some kind of a, a grip or a purchase or a, a footing in, in a series of social structures that are not designed to care for its members. And who, who have people doing the things that you're talking about as they're doing in the different states where women's rights are being taken away from them. And um, every, nobody can get a purchase. Uh, can, nobody can get, a, get, get their footing. And so this, and by, but if we are to listen to the power of our bodies and to understand what our bodies are showing us, and to even listen to the places where we are feel harmed or weakened or feel like we can't move through the initiatory moment in any kind of empowered way. And if we get the help that we need in order to do that, and that's one of the things we do with depth hypnosis, which is a spiritual counseling process that I developed. And also we spend quite a bit of time in a class that I teach called the Initiations of the Sacred Feminine, which is coming up in June. Um, uh, where or July and this summer, it comes up every summer um, at the Sacred Stream, um, uh, where we are actively repatterning any ways in which we have been disempowered, or where our power has been taken from us or just lost at the primary initiatory moments. We can begin to reclaim our relationship to our bodies and reclaim our relationship to the power of our bodies and establish a beachhead, a, a place, a footing that allows for the flourishing of the great feminine within us. And that puts us into a position to be able to advocate for that for others. And at the heart of all of this is the great mother. She is the great feminine power that enlivens and instructs and, and provides nurturing and sustenance to us as we reclaim our relationship to our power through understanding how our bodies are spiritual teachers to us. And nowhere is that more evident than in the, the initiation of childbirth. And that's why I wrote this book for birthing mothers because it's, it's sort of like you know, the midterm exam for how well you have done in, 
in passing through your previous initiations and death of course is the final exam right but you can get you can take a real temperature at your you know like think about all the things that you need to address within you in order to be able to give birth in an empowered way and you know move into something like depth hypnosis or some other counseling i remember when i knew i was pregnant for the first time i remember i had the little vial in my hand and in the other hand, I picked up the telephone because I knew that I needed therapy, <laughs> that, that I knew that everything that had happened up to me, I, did, I couldn't have put it in these terms that my initiations had been incomplete or failed. Um, and that I, but I knew that I was not prepared to give birth. And um, I, you know, getting into some kind of a counseling process where you can address traumas that you know about and traumas that you don't know about um, in order to be able to hold power effectively so that you can align with the force of the great mother as you are birthing in any situation, whether you are in a hospital, whether you are in a home situation, wherever you are, you can go internally and in contact the power of the great mother and ask her to help guide the initiation through any circumstance that, uh, where you're giving birth. Sorry, I'm doing a lot of talking, sorry. No, it's fantastic. And you know, some of the stories in the book are just beautiful when you are sitting with some of the mothers who are uh, freaking out as you say. <laughs> and um, and, and you, you could tell if you'd like the story of uh, you're acting as a translator and, and you uh, understand that the mother needs to have her community come in and sing a song you think, and you're not really sure, but of course the medical staff is not really excited about this prospect, but can you tell a little bit, because it is a beautiful story. And I really, uh, what, I, what I feel um, in your book is this, on the other side of the initiations, this genuine capacity that's created in us for thriving and joy. Yeah. And this story is very joyful. Yes, I'll, I'll read. I'll just read it from the book. Is okay. That okay? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So a young Haitian woman, Esther, had come to the hospital with several women from her community. She wanted them to be in the delivery room with her, but the admitting staff would not allow so many people into the room where she was to give birth, as it was against hospital policy. When she realized she could not have her community members by her side, Esther became tense and agitated. Her labor stopped progressing at about five centimeters. She became very upset as the nurses tried to hook up a pitocin group drip in an effort to bring on the labor again. Esther spoke French and Creole, and I was called to the birth to interpret in French and English. As her birth became more complicated, Esther could only speak in Creole. I was able to understand about 80% of what she was saying as Creole and French are quite similar. At one point, she began crying out, pleading for her friends who were in the waiting room. She kept saying, they will know what to do. They have the songs. I kept interpreting as best I could, although I, was probably, I thought I was probably misinterpreting the word song as it did not seem to make any sense. There was one nurse who was a bit more open than the others and I stepped out of my professional role as an interpreter and begged her to allow the friends to come in. She had just begun her shift and could see that she was going to have a lot on her hands with this birth if she didn't allow the friends into the room. 
So she got permission for them to attend the birth. The nurse asked me to invite in Esther's friends. I found the members of her community in the waiting room, sitting quietly, focusing deeply, and humming softly together. It seemed as if they had been waiting for me, as they simply got up and walked toward the room before I could say anything. They hummed softly as they entered the delivery room. Esther relaxed immediately. As I closed the door, they began clapping softly and started singing in rounds. The energy in the room became very alive. Esther sang with them and soon her labor picked back up. She gave birth within several hours with the support network singing around her. After the birth, I asked the woman what songs, the women, what songs they had been singing. Adele, a tall, bright-eyed woman, told me they were the songs that all the women in their village sing for each other during labor. These are the songs that our grandmothers sang at our own births, and they are the songs that we sing for the new generations, she said. She told me these songs were often sung at special ceremonies, such as those held to commemorate a, gr a girl when she gets her first period. In his acclaimed book, Beyond the Brain, Stan Groff, uh, okay, I, I go on there to talk about, I go, I go on from there, but that's, that's the story. That is a beautiful I, I story. Yeah, I love and that I, story. I, and I do love Stan Groff's work as yes. well. <laughs> yeah. You want to read about that? <laughs> no, you know, no, but I'll say that uh, I spent the first 10 years of my marriage uh, working on my stuff. And a big part of it was with Stan Groff and uh, people in California doing the holotropic breath work to do the repatterning. Like you said, <laughs> if I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have to do some work here first. Uh, so, right. yeah. So this um, is so hopeful, especially for where we are right now with uh, looking for a different way of being and a different identity and remembering what we have to work with in our bodies, our innate intelligence, our connection to life. And as you describe it um, in the book, we make this shift. We're working with the great mother, all of life force and life and the intelligences um, that are there. I know, I know in some of your classes, you're even teaching plant medicine, uh, working with plant intelligence. We need all the help we can get these days. So yes. <laughs> let's call it, let's call it all of it. Um, but I would like to spend just a moment talking about some of the resistance um, that we can find within ourselves to uh, stepping on these, this path and, and maybe whether or not it's uh, ancestral or real, as you were saying, the feeling of being thrown into the desert if you step on the path of empowerment um, as a woman uh, or a man in this culture. Uh, what do you do with resistance? Is that addressed in the treatment or? With, with uh, the resistance from the culture, from individuals becoming resistance empowered? to taking your power up. The resistance to uh, claiming uh, the initiations and maybe doing the work? Well, I think, I mean, the good news is that our own resistance is something that we can deal with, right? So, and, and I think that um, it's, you know, everyone has a reason why they may hesitate to step into their power. And it may be that they have seen power used badly or it may be that they're afraid it will be taken from them if they do. And, um, and you know, a lot of these, this information or these 
core beliefs around power emerge through our responses to our birth family environments. And I teach a class called Relationships and Karma, where I talk about how through our responses to our birth family members, our own karmic patterns emerge and they provide us with information about our relationship to ourselves, to the other, to the divine. And it's a matter of listening to our responses. And so, you know, and what we do with uh, depth hypnosis is that we learn, okay, so this, this is a pattern that you've developed. Let's say, I mean, it's not at all unusual to find someone who has a lot of innate power, but they have gotten into trouble when they have exercised it. So they want to step away from it. So then what we want to do is we want to go with, with regression work to go into those situations or circumstances where they may have been attacked or undermined when they were trying to exercise their power and help them repattern that. And we have a lot of ways of doing that drawn primarily from shamanic practice. So we may need to do a soul retrieval or a power retrieval or a soul part exchange and help them repattern their at this at the core of their being at the source of the disruption and so that they can shift their relationship to their power and move differently in the world going forward and so i think resistance i don't you know i think it's a natural part of things and we have a lot of ways of dealing with it and again i want to emphasize that if we are resisting our own power, if we are resisting our own beauty, if we are resisting our own creativity, we can do something about that. If we take responsibility for the effect um, of that that kind of resistance has, it becomes workable. And you know, I, I think again, everyone's got a good reason, reason for being in resistance, whatever it is. You know, some people may not want to quit an addiction because they're afraid they're not going to be able to cope if they do or someone may not want to um, emerge out of a depression that they have gotten used to because it seems so familiar and they're not sure um, that they, they will be able to pick up their lives where they need to pick it up. You know, people, people I mean, there's so little good education uh, on a spiritual level within this culture that people don't know how to work with themselves and if they can understand that their bodies are showing them this is how you work with yourself this is your spiritual path if you if for instance if you were raped as your first sexual experience okay let's go ahead and heal that trauma but then let's also understand what did you learn about the exercise of power what did you learn about your capacity to 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 persist and sustain yourself in the midst of something like that? And what does that tell you about your power generally? And how do you reclaim that and work with it in other situations and circumstances where someone might want to take your power inappropriately, right? So there's so, even in difficult situations, there is a learning and often, especially in difficult situations, there is a learning that we can be provided with if we are willing to understand the effect that the, the experience has had on us, heal it, and then apply those lessons to the rest of our lives. And so 
you know, in Buddhism, they talk about everything is the path. You know, everything, everything leads toward enlightenment. And if you can look at your experience, even places where you've been disempowered, even places where you're resisting standing in your power, even in places where you're confused about what your power is, wherever you are, wherever you're starting to understand that it's workable. And this is why I have the meditation for the great mother in this book, because it's difficult to start that process without some kind of core power supporting you. And through the meditation to the great mother, you connect with this field of deeply loving, creative intelligence that everyone experiences in different ways. But it is something that is there for them to support them as they begin to move through some of these traumatic experiences that or places where they're resisting, where they, they have a place where they can draw sustenance and they can draw nurturing and they can draw power. And, um, and so, um, you know, this is, this is a very hopeful, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I spend my days training people how to do the processes of depth hypnosis and writing books like the Re new return to the great mother and, and, and helping, helping people reclaim the spiritual power of their own development for themselves in any situation in any circumstance and you know these are difficult times and trying times but we can we can by moving inward by connecting with this source of power by understanding the effect that the culture is having on us and the effect that we're having on ourselves <laughs> through our reactions to it we can move into a, a place of greater a greater uh, receptivity, greater capacity to nurture, greater generosity, greater ability to stand in the power of the sacred feminine. And if we are all doing that, including men, including all gendered kind of people, if we, the, this power doesn't belong only to women, it belongs to all of us. And if we can step into it and, 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 and advocate for it and insist that the culture provide sustenance and care and love for all its members and that the, that the priorities in terms of lawmaking or setting economic goals be one primarily of caretaking the earth, caretaking one another. We can, we, you know, it's a long way to go. I mean, we're still watching the Amazon buckle under the war that the oil companies are waging on it. I mean, we, we still see the effect of the war that has been waged against the earth for so long since the industrial revolution really kind of put hierarchical and competitive value systems in overdrive, right? But I mean, we can create an internal revolution within ourselves that will ultimately change the world and we can connect with one another and we can help one another in that process and in the process of birthing this is a place where women definitely come together in the enterprise of sustaining and nurturing life and helping them what others to do it and to do whatever they need to do in order to be able to do that you and i both had that experience where we knew that we had to repattern our 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 
our, our traumas and our, I'm not sure exactly what you were dealing with, but I certainly was dealing with a lot of trauma. And um, in, in order to be able to step into this place and childbirth is the opportunity to be able and, and you know, stepping into your puberty is the opportunity and having menopause is the opportunity to step into a new way of being and to understand this great creative generative force in a new way and to work with it in a new way. I love that you just ended there on the great creative generative force because I uh, work with a lot of uh, wayfinders uh, and activists and, and people who have been doing this work for a long time. <clears throat> and it seems to be uh, a big focus on <laughs> making sure we're plugged in to those creative generative forces and <laughs> uh, all the forms of intelligence that they show up in with uh, and that we can, we can utilize plant people, not just human people and animals. So uh, there's a lot there to work with, and there is so much uh, untapped within us. And I really appreciate your book. It is, um, it is such a small book to be so very packed and dense and wise. Uh, every page, the stories are just beautifully told. And then your path, how did we get here? How are we going to get out? The initiations that we missed out on, and, but we can, as you're saying, repattern ourselves and heal those and uh, you know so we can go on to the next place i i really deeply appreciate you taking time to uh, put the book together and then also to talk with me and with our kindred followers today is there anything else you'd like for us to know maybe tell us where to find you online in case uh, this is just an audio podcast for some people okay um well at first i just want to thank you so much for all of the work that you do in the world i think you know, you know, you can find sustenance and hope and, and inspiration just in the work that you do. And, you know, it's so wonderful that you are connecting people with different wisdom keepers and, you know, you're creating an alternative force in the world to some of these uh, forces that are not pro-life, you know, or I don't mean that. In, I, I mean, no, that, I are know. Not, <laughs> that are not, that are not for the life giving forces that are here. Right. right. So, um, so I just want to thank you so much for that. And um, you can find, um, you can find me at sacredstream.org. That's S-A-C-R-E-D s-t-r-e-a-m.org and um, you can um, there's lots of there's lots of materials there um, articles and um, classes and all sorts of resources for empowerment so um, would love to love to be able to offer you something of value and I'm so happy to be able to offer this book um, uh, and I hope it's a valued, my, my dream about this book was, uh, to, to write it and then to like, put it in every obstetrician's office in the whole world. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so, that's my dream. <laughs> you come with the pregnancy test again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'll try to, it really is, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that we look at at Kindred, we have so many people 
showing up young people who are saying they're actually not interested in having children, but they do see themselves as stewards of life. And uh, the, the Kindred Fellowship program that we have here is centering childhood in social justice work. How we treat children is how they treat the world. They have to learn oppression at home before they can act it out in the world. Uh, and I, I'm so moved and hopeful and hope filled by the young people that I'm meeting who are, seem to be very clear uh, and I'm so glad too, because a big part of the fellowship program is to be able to hand off this torch someday. So somebody's right. got to do this work right. uh, so I can go to the beach or something. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the, and enjoy the great ocean. <laughs> yes, yes. But thank you so much again for coming on and talking to us. And I look forward to seeing more of your writing on Kindred. We do have um, a couple of pieces up there and I look forward to getting uh, this podcast out as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much.